The unwritten rules of Facebook. It cut all of our ad costs by over 70%. How do you want to be able to take in all of this data that's around us? Some of these campaigns have done up to $20 million in sales. I think this is going to be the future for the next 10 years. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss, Heather Havenwood. Look, our whole world revolves around our iPhone, iPad, Droid. You know they say we look at our phones on average 150 times a day? And if you're a small business and want to actually grow, you need to reach people where they're looking at and listening the most, their smartphones. See, marketing via text messaging is a great way to start, and it's super easy. Just text the word START to 72000 to learn more about my friends at Mobit. They're marketing experts and they will show you how to use text messaging for your business and to get more leads and convert them amazingly. Again, text the word START to 72000. Again, that's text the word START, S-T-A-R-T, to 72000. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. You're listening to us on, of course, iTunes, The Stitcher, and Renegade Talk Radio. So, Renegade, welcome. We're going to have something really cool today, which is money. All right. So don't don't turn this off, really, because we have someone who's really awesome speaking about money. And I, I say that specifically because I think a lot of I call CFOs or people in the financial industry, I consider them really boring. And Kate's not. So I'm excited to have her on today and talk about some money decisions and better money decisions for entrepreneurs and just in general. So Kate, are you on? I am here. And absolutely, Heather, you know, we, we don't, don't want this to be boring. <laughs> not at all. That's, that's not my thing. You know, no. you got to have fun, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing I love about you, and I'm going to go into who you are and your websites and all that good stuff. But one of the things that she has is Seeking Alpha. It's one of her, I guess, columns that you talk. Is that right? Seeking Alpha? Yes. Is that a column that you write for? Yeah, that's a website. It's, a website. Uh, it's, it's pretty heavy duty stock and investing. And, yeah. and I do write some columns over there. And then even in that case, even though that's a pretty serious topic, I again, try to inject some humor wherever I can. I like that about you already. Okay, <laughs> so let's be let's let me tell you everyone who she is. This is Kate Stalter. Is that my saying that right? Stalter? You are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> asked you that before we got on the line. But here we are. <laughs> BetterMoneyDecisions.com. You go check her out as well as Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Better Money Decisions. Kate is the founder of Better Money Decisions as an asset management firm with offices in Albuquerque and Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Scottsdale, Arizona. She's an investment columnist for Forbes, U.S. News, and World Report, TheStreet.com, Seeking Alpha, and host of the America Talks Money podcast. Kate loves helping people solve challenging problems. Great. And she is a proud parent of fur parent of a household of rescue animals. Okay, so for proud fur parent of a household. Okay, so yeah. what does that mean? Do you, are you a rescue? Are you a foster? Oh, uh, well, you know, I'm a foster failure, Heather. It's like, yeah, <laughs> oh, you're yeah. You're one of those ones, like you're fostering, they never leave. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I got I got a couple, couple here like that. All my animals that are here are rescues in one form or another. They're the best. They are the best. They really are the best. Um, yeah. I have, like I said, I was telling you earlier before we started recording, I have a, my boyfriend's out of town. So I have a Buddy and my dog is Lady. His dog is Buddy. How funny Aww. is that? 
And Buddy, he went to a, a, someone's party one a night and this dog followed him home. And oh, wow. He was like, I guess you are now mine. And that's that's how Buddy came into his life. He's absolutely adorable. So let's talk about money. OK, yeah. So as an entrepreneur, I find that first of all, I think who I am as an entrepreneur and I, I believe it or not, I started in the financial advising space with American Express Financial Advisors. Obviously. Oh, wow. OK. It takes me back a little bit. I was 18, 19. I got my first 401k when I was 17 and mm -hmm. I was investing. And so then I hired my first American Express financial advisor when I was 18, 19. Oh, and wow. Of course, they were all like impressed with that. And so they hired me. That mm -hmm. was the bad decision because they hired me and I was like an assistant to one of their financial planners. And so I learned, mm -hmm. I learned, and I have to be honest with you, I moved away from the business altogether because I realized at the time that the financial advisors, now, this is kind of old school. You got to remember, this is Dallas, mm. 97, 96, mm -hmm. All the women in the offices were assistants. Mm -hmm. Okay. All the men were the financial advisors. Okay. You get, mm -hmm. you get the world of that. Yep. And there was a lot of uh, dark, what I call mahogany, heavy desks. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Oh, get yeah. It? I understand. You can see the world of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to wear these stupid log skirts and these flat mm. shoes. Anyway. Had covered my boobs and <laughs> come in looking like, you know, dork. But I learned that it was just this big sales job. Now, yep. and I learned quickly and they tried to get me to become a financial advisor when I was 23, 24. And mm. I turned it off because I, I kind of felt like I learned the underbelly, you know, right. of the business. Like this, you mm -hmm. guys are just selling mm -hmm. everything. And I didn't feel like it was truly, they were taking someone where they're really at and figuring out where they really want to go. Yeah. Because I found that. It's less about the mutual funds and more about really stocks. So I'm, I'm totally throwing this at you and you're thinking, oh, mm -hmm. my God. But what do you think? I mean, you know, and I'm, I, may, I may have a bad taste in my mouth probably mm -hmm. because of that experience. Yeah. But where, where are we at now? That was 96, 97. I mean, we're talking 2016 mm -hmm. now. Things have changed. Wow. A lot of places I could, I could go with this. Go um, absolutely. So first of all, I agree with everything you just said, 100%. Our firm, unlike uh, American Express or the, these big brand names, and I think they changed their name to something else a while back. Axe uh, something, yeah. yeah, and then something else. I mean, they're all always changing their names and being bought. But, you know, these big brand names that you see with advertisements on TV, kind of like dad's or grandpa's financial advisor. So that is not us. We are completely independent. We are registered investment advisors, not stockbrokers. So we don't get a commission to sell you a stock or a mutual fund. And if you think about that for a second, if you go into one of these big national brand name offices and the person's incentive is to get a commission to sell you something, mm -hmm. what, I mean, how do you think they're going to manage your account? Because they're not going to ever be able to separate that interest of, oh, boy, if I trade this, I make some money, right? Right. And, and that's the problem. And that I'm dealing with that every day. When Even when you call up a company mm -hmm. and you tell them, I'm 25 or I'm 35, mm -hmm. and they do this calculation, you know, and you're wondering, is this really the best thing for me? Yeah. So the stockbrokers, and again, all of these big brand name companies, they have what is called a suitability standard. Now, I need to be clear a little bit because there was a rule that changed recently. And some of the listeners, if they're just kind of paying attention a little bit peripherally to some of the financial industry news, but this has been in the news, there was a change. The Department of Labor uh, specified that if you manage retirement accounts, so like you're talking about, Heather, like a 401k, 
or your IRA or anything that is one of these retirement accounts or other accounts that gets a specified tax treatment that's called qualified, you do have to be a fiduciary. Okay? okay. So a lot of these brokers are now out there, you know, they're according to the law, the brokers have to be fiduciaries when they manage a retirement account. But that doesn't mean they have to be fiduciaries all the time. They can still be brokers in your other accounts. They can sell you annuities and mutual funds with very expensive sales charges. So it it actually, in my opinion, the new rule made things a little bit worse because it added a layer of confusion now. And every stockbroker is out there saying, I'm a fiduciary. Well, only in certain situations. We're fiduciaries across the board. And what does that mean? I'm tossing that word around a lot here. What it means is we are legally obligated to keep the client's interest first. And we have situations. I'll give you an example of what that means, Heather. We have a, a new client who came in a couple months ago, and he had some bond funds that he had uh, actually within an annuity that he had purchased several years back. And we took a look at this, and as much as we would have loved to have gotten that particular piece of business, we have other things we're working with uh, for him. But on that particular piece of business, as fiduciaries, we had to say to him, look, you're better off leaving that where it is because of the rates you got several years ago when you purchased this product. You're not going to get those interest rates today because everybody knows, you know, interest rates are, that's right, at historic lows. So he purchased this product, you know, a couple decades ago. And we're like, no, we can't do better right now if we move you over. So as fiduciaries, we are obligated to tell you, keep that there. Don't move this to us. So does that make sense? That kind of example of how we're different? Mm -hmm. No, that's great. So you guys are more, let's just say for the sake of it, your firm is focused more on keeping the interest of the client first, not the company's interest first, which is definitely a role reversal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important um, because I know that I've been burned. Other people have been burned. And mm-hmm. I find that the financial markets, they keep it confusing for the average person mm-hmm. purposefully, you know, yep. purposefully. And I sometimes will go on a CNBC rant or something and just watch it all yep. day. <laughs> <laughs> That's painful. I'm it sorry is, to hear it that. It's actually painful. <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys like seriously don't make sense. You know, like, right. you guys are constantly right. conflicting each other. And you guys are constantly, I mean, it's worse than politics. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just kind of like tune it out and turn it off. So let's talk about the future of like what is going on currently in the financial market from a publishing standpoint. Because you and I, were, before we got on the phone, we we're talking about, I feel that not only, and we're going to talk about publishing in general, like what I call financial mm-hmm. publishing and writing. But as of we're talking right now in October of 2016, this is the, the week that a ton of stuff came out specifically about the media. Um, Mm -hmm. in the election. Okay. I'm not going to go into like, well, I like it or don't like it or agree or not, but there's a ton of talk highlighted news on the news cycle about that particular medias, you know, Mm -hmm. are for only one candidate. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, they're supposed to be biased. The old world of journalism, I feel is dead at this point and it's no longer journalism. It's more talking heads of a, Mm -hmm. a talk show or a position. Is that happening in the financial publishing world? What's going on there? Yeah, that's a little different. And just to give you a little bit of my backstory. So I was actually a financial journalist for many years before I got licensed and became an advisor. And, and, you know, we can we can talk a little bit about why I did that. I'm happy to. I'll fill you in on that right now. So one of the things that there were a couple things happening, why I decided to get licensed first is I did start to see the handwriting on the wall several years ago 
in terms of these journalism jobs mm -hmm. going away. And, you know, you start to get more and more emails from companies saying, hey, write for us for free to build your brand. And, you know, and journalists always kind of either laugh at that or shake their heads or are even just angry about it, um, understandably, because, yeah, that's great. I can build my brand, but, you know, that doesn't pay the mortgage, doesn't right. doesn't feed the family, <laughs> you know. So that was starting to happen more and more. And then also I felt increasingly like journalists, financial journals. I'm going to limit what I'm talking sure. about to that specific arena, really. Yeah, yeah let's go. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where your expertise is. I was just kind of looping it of what's happening in politics. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's a correlation. <laughs> Maybe there's not. You know, I threw on CNBC yesterday mm -hmm. just to wonder if they were talking about politics and they, mm -hmm. they, they weren't at all. And I'm like, oh, that's that's uh, enlightening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, no, no. I'll, t I'll tell you what's what's going on in the in that regard yeah. in the financial journalism world, in my opinion. But okay. but I was personally feeling like I wasn't really able to help people make those difficult decisions. And I'll give you an example that goes back you know, maybe seven, eight, even nine years. I don't remember exactly when this happened. It was when I worked for Investors Business Daily. And I was there for about 10 years. I did a lot of things there. I was a market writer. And then I did a lot on the web. I did videos for them. I was teaching their seminars. And I was teaching a seminar one day. And a guy came in before the event began. And he introduced himself, said he was a postal worker and that his daughter was starting college that fall. He had nothing saved and he wanted to start trading options to pay for her college. And I was like, okay, that's a really bad idea and a bad situation. And you know, it bugged me, Heather, because I'm laughing because I get it. I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm right, right. Like, yeah, I no. It's and, and you know, that guy's not unique in that no. the sense of a lot of people have not done any planning. And it's like, you know. Your daughter is at least 18, I presume. You should have probably seen this coming, you know, um, you know, a few years before this. 18 but, years when she came out of the birth canal, maybe. Yeah, right, right. It's like, oh, wait, she's going to college now. But the whole idea of I'm going to start trying this risky activity, risking my own finances, uh, you know, it just it just. It bothered me. I was up there teaching people how to do these, uh, like a stock trading methodology. It had nothing to do with retirement planning. It had nothing to do with the expected return, the amount of risk you need to take. And, you know, I didn't run out and quit my job that day. I mean, that's never how these stories go. But it's like a little thing, a little thing and a little thing. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm done. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So it, it was a few years later that I did leave and then I did some other things. You know, I even went on and hosted a stock trading radio show after that. So it took me a few years to really have this sink in that like, wait a second, I'm enabling these addictions mm -hmm. rather than providing any real help. And I got to tell you something, when you're a licensed advisor and you're doing financial planning and you're ask, answering questions about retirement, about taxes, about, you know, my mortgage, what should I do about this? That's a really, really different thing than the talking heads on CNBC pontificating about their opinion of what is going to happen in the market. And by the way, those guys have a horrible track record. Horrible. They do, don't they? I've, I, I'm yeah. actually really glad you said that. I've heard yeah. that, but I, I've never heard it from like someone who actually knows, right? Because oh, yeah. I'm a lot like you. I've been in the, I've shared this story a little bit. I've been in the speaking business since 2001. Mm. All right. So I'm syncing up this story a little bit. And I'm sure it's maybe not the same, but I've seen the underbelly of the speaking world. 
and what I mean by speaking world is people that teach buy and sell houses, people that teach personal development, people that do big events on stock trading. I used to work for the company that did Forex. Um, Ooh, yeah. Also the one that did, oh, I'm going blank. I, as soon as I say it, you're going to know it. It was a big time infomercial uh, stock. Oh God, I'm going blank. It's huge. It was a huge stock one in the 90s and the 2000s. Okay. Um, Forex made easy. That was one. Yeah. Stock yeah. something going blank. They did the red light, green light thing. You had a software and a red light. Green oh light. yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I, I don't remember the company. name of it, but I remember that red light, green light yeah. program. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Program. And so red light, and they, they did a whole video show on it and the whole night. Yeah. And the people that were in the front of the room were speakers. They're really paid speakers. They're not necessarily financial advisors. Oh yeah. Right. And you know, I saw on the underbelly of that, a lot of people get burned, not you know, yep. not thousands, but I saw people that I think myself, God, they shouldn't be here. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I really don't want to take their money because right. they're, that's like, that's it, you know, but you know, who am I to say, you know, I don't know, you know, but at the same time, that's my job is to sell that or, you know, support them selling that, whatever case may be. And it's frustrating to see the underbelly of a particular mm-hmm. industry. And yep. then you become the bridge between the people and that industry, you know, mm-hmm. and you're trying to what I call steer them away from disaster. Yeah. A lot of times people come to me and the industry and go, I'm coming to you because I know, you know, like the underbelly and I need to know what direction to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of I'm a little different, of course, but similar inside of you've you've seen a lot. I mean, you've been around a lot. What's the direction now? I mean, what's the direction now of the industry specifically? We talked earlier about the street.com mm-hmm. potentially letting go some editors. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that happening? Meaning another question to ask is, as an entrepreneur, where can one go to get mm-hmm. real information that they can actually take to the bank? Okay. Well, well, a couple things too, just on the, uh, let me answer the question about the industry. You know, it's interesting because you were talking about some of these stories that have broken recently about some of the news outlets that were siding with a particular candidate. Here's what goes on on the financial side. It's okay. it's different, but insidious in a different way. The stories are about clicks. Mm-hmm. So you see these clickbait headlines when you go on to some of the big financial websites, and there are many, many of them that have, I don't know, millions of views that are out there. Market Watch, you know, any of these, CNBC, you go on there and you'll see headlines like, why a crash is coming tomorrow, why you need to sell everything now. And then, you know, of course, you get the the political candidates and they work them into the headlines for clickbait. You still have the five stocks you need to buy now variety of things. Although, you know, ever since 2008, the whole zeitgeist has really been much more panic, malaise. I think sort of the collective consciousness is all, everything is very negative right now. So I think negative headlines and fear tends to sell a lot better than more the optimistic five stocks to buy now. And even if they do that, the five stocks to buy now type of headline, it's more sort of to protect yourself because such and such horrible thing is coming. You know, and here's the reality, Heather. I love to tell people this, and people are shocked when I say this. I said, you know, for the past uh, several years, I mean, it's all just, it's been bad news, hasn't it? I mean, the news media yes. is just bad. Not, I mean, you, like scare, you would think... fear, scare, yeah. fear, scare, fear. You're like, I don't even want to get out of the house. <laughs> right, right. I mean, never mind that people are getting on with their lives. We actually have had 
and nobody believes people get mad when you say this, but there actually has been an economic expansion. Yes, it's been shallow. It's not been as great as others in the past, but the economy has been expanding and, and that that just makes people mad. I mean, we have better better medicines today. We have little computers that we carry around in our pockets that, that are better than, you know, rooms of mainframes that our grandparents had. You know, I mean, it's just insane. The cars are safer. You know, I got a car recently. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know, it was the first time I'd gotten a, a newer model car in, in several years because I drive cars forever. And just the changes in oh, yeah. the automobile technology just in a decade were crazy good. So I think, you know, while everybody is running around being told how horrible things are, this is the kind of thing that the financial media is selling you on. And I'll give you an example about this is back at the end of 2012, I love to tell people this, nobody remembers this, but there was the whole big fiscal cliff scare, okay? And people bailed out of the market. They sold all their investments because they thought the U.S. markets were just going to tank. Well, they didn't. The U.S. markets had a fantastic year in 2013, and people missed out on that. And Heather, nobody believes me. This is the thing before I went on my rant there that I was starting to say, but I, got, I distracted myself. People are shocked when I tell them ever since the market started rallying in the beginning of 2009 after the 2008 debacle, yeah. do you know that it's tripled? U.S. stocks, the S&P 500, has tripled in value since then. What? Right? Right, right, right. See, well, Nobody... first of all, my financial advisor that I have or now mm -hmm. not had didn't help me get in there. Mm. Number two, I've said to him, I think I'm just going to hire you now at this point. Sure. Uh, I've said to him, like, <laughs> I, don't, I just need to know where, to, I don't have the capacity at this point in my life to go out and figure out what's happening. I need you to tell me. You know, and I think he wanted to put me in some really weird stuff. And I'm just like, mm. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. It was selling me, right? A market. Yeah. I mm -hmm. actually, and I, I want you to continue what you're doing, but I'm just kind of pushing back a little bit. I would actually at this point in my life, and maybe because I'm older and a little wiser, at least I hope I think I am, mm -hmm. is that I'd like to be more in stocks mm -hmm. and not in mutual funds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that a better decision? Indiv Individual stocks, picking yeah. stocks, you mean. Yeah. yeah. And term, how does anybody term. know which stocks are going to outperform the broader market? We don't. But I will tell you this. I'm pissed at myself <laughs> I didn't buy fa Facebook. And I knew someone yeah. at the time that did. And yeah. I watched all the, oh, it's going to suck. Oh, and I should have known because I'm in the industry. I uh -huh. know Facebook. I live, breathe it yeah. every day with, with, you know, the ad buy and all this. I should have seen it. Yeah. I'm like pissed off, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God, I could have gotten a 50. And this person right. that got some of it, I was like, carry on what you're doing. The people are saying it's going to go down. Right. At the time it wasn't, a, they hadn't, you know, I didn't, the industry itself was kind of changing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, okay, go back. I'll go off my rant. You well, my here's what that is, Heather. Okay. That's play money. Mm. And that's fine. If our clients, and they often do, a client will come to us and say, hey, you know, I want to put a little bit of money aside just to kind of play some of my hunches on the market. That's fine. It's highly risky. We don't want to earmark that for your uh, retirement fund or any particular goal that you need. The proven way to invest, and this is the, this is the way we, we follow the efficient market hypothesis, which has won Nobel Prizes. We believe in own the market because nobody, nobody can pick out what's going to outperform something else and when it's going to happen. Over time, markets rise. Investing in an individual stock as entertainment, that's fine. That's fine. If you want to, you know, carve out a little bit of your money and say, I really, really feel strongly about Facebook or, or any other stock, that's great. 
That's absolutely great, but that's not something to craft your expected return around. Oh, I get it. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. It's it's too risky. We won't take that. As fiduciaries, we can't take that kind of risk. Okay. So as an entrepreneur, if they're starting their business, do you, yeah. you know, how do you work with them? I mean, how do you work with a company? They're like, look, I got to put all my money in this business. I, have to, I don't know if I even have. I don't even <laughs> have enough money to put away. Right. What would you suggest to them? I mean, because that's really kind of what happens on an everyday basis with entrepreneurs. It is. No, it really is because you you get the money and you want to put it right back into your own company. Right. I completely understand that because, you know, you believe in yourself, you believe in what you're doing, you want to see the growth. You know, it really is kind of that old saw. It's nothing new. It's really nothing new. So much of this is behavioral. It's the old saw about pay yourself first in that situation. There's no magic. You know, one of the biggest things that we and this is good because this follows on on the last thing we were just talking about, Heather, regarding the individual stocks. Our job as advisors is behavioral. The old school guy who sat there hunched over the market and saying, I've got a hot stock for you. I yeah. think energy is going to do great. No, no. Yeah. If you're working with somebody like that, and that's, you know, to all the listeners, that's really old school and it's very risky and can be very expensive. So it really comes back to we're behavioral coaches is what we are. Oh, yeah. Let's go down that because that's kind Mm -hmm. of sexy. So behavioral (laughs) coaches, that's first I've heard that coming from a financial Mm. consultant or advisor, Mm -hmm. financial advisor. Is that your Mm -hmm. term? Yeah. 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 So tell us more about that because that's that's cool. Sure. It really is all about just the questions of Mm -hmm. staying, staying invested, keeping yourself focused on your retirement, not giving in to what the news media is saying to I mean, I think this conversation keeps, we keep coming back to the media we and it's do, very, right? very relevant, very relevant. Well, it is relevant. I mean, if I, I'm thinking to myself, if someone's thinking, and I did, I've done this before in my past, I want to mm-hmm. invest now. What am I going to do? I'm going to go online, www.financial, and I'll click on Morningstar or iStreet mm-hmm. or .com or CNBC. I don't know. I'll click on one of mm-hmm. those. And that's where I'll get my data. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so and then when I found a financial planner a couple of years ago, I reached out to people and I got this dude, but I don't like him. So, right. you know, like it's through referrals. I can go to, you know, who's cool dot com to work with. You know what <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, 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 right. So that's, that's why it's so important because you wonder if the people who are writing know what the heck they're talking about or is it just writing? Most of it's just writing. Okay. They're not licensed. They've never worked with clients. You know, now there are some financial advisors out there who do blog and have podcasts. I mean, there's there's a growing number. I should point out when you do see that happening, it does mean that they are fiduciaries because the stockbrokers have too big of a compliance burden with their national brand name companies. Right. That they can't do that. Can't go out there and do a podcast. It's kind of odd, right, to do something like that. It's a very tough uh, compliance hurdle for them because they have to get everything approved by corporate. So that's a big issue there. And in any event, even if they did get everything approved by corporate, they're still going to get commissions to to trade your account. So what you were asking about, um, this is a great question. I love this, is when you go out there and, you know, I get it. There's the whole do it yourself. And I was part of that for many years, the do-it-yourself market of providing information, quote-unquote, to do-it-yourselfers. Problem is, think about it. Who's selling you that information? <laughs> right. It, right? Right? That's what I'm bringing up. Exactly. Who's actually selling yeah. that information? Like CNBC right. Kramer. I mean, I or or any, any website, yeah. any stock trading right. company. 
maybe you're getting free advice from some website, but is this from a registered investment advisor or investment advisor rep, or is it from somebody that graduated journalism school? Well, which is it? Let me add to that. This comes from my experience as in the seminar world in the information marketing space. I know some people are not going to name them that um, have some very big businesses online where they teach people stock picking, you know, do it yourself. And without, you know, just we explain that they're extremely mastered the information marketing side, Mm -hmm. extremely mastered the sales side. I really cannot. I mean, I can. I mean, they're amazing in that space. I can't really honestly say they know what the heck they're talking about at all in the stock space, because I feel if you're a bad A in the stock or the financial world, you probably suck <laughs> in this information marketing sales world. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it usually they don't cross. So right. that's the only thing I would say about that. And it concerns me. Well, and, and two, it's yeah. sort of the, the, you know, if you're going to buy one of these programs and track your returns, look, everybody wants to say, hey, I made so much money on this pick. They don't tell you about the ones where they picked incorrectly or where the system right. picked incorrectly. They don't tell you what they're paying. A lot of people say, well, I'm not going to pay an advisor because that just, you know, cuts away at my return. Uh, you're paying for all these subscriptions and you're getting no help about your taxes, your retirement withdrawal rates, whether to pay down your mortgage, when to take Social Security. So, you know, good luck to you paying <laughs> that little subscription fee to your stock trading guy because you're going to make a whole lot of expensive mistakes because you don't have a coach working with you. Right. That's the crux of the it issue is right the there. And it's not, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to go on the woman's side here for a second because mm-hmm. guys, you guys can turn me off. That's fine. <laughs> is that, you know, I remember when I, I hired, go back to my story, I hired, I hired American Express Financial Advisor. So I paid them a fee for some mm-hmm. reason. I guess it was for mm-hmm. a plan or some binder. And then, right. and then I gave them over my money that I already had in a 401k and I moved it over or whatever. And then now I became this client, you know, then I had my six months every six months to hang out with him or whatever. And then that's <laughs> how I got hired, you know, but I remember walking in there as a client and people were like, oh, are you the new assistant? And I'm like, no, I'm actually a client. You know, mm. and I remember sitting there at this round table, you know, I'm talking about the mahogany round table. <laughs> it sounds awful. It does yeah. sound awful. And it's yeah. like this, I remember this one guy, he's like leaning yeah. back in his chair. Mm. He's got his beer belly and he's got the oh. white shirt and the blue tie. He's like, so yeah. little lady, so it's interesting <laughs> you started, uh, you know, do this at such a young age. I'm like, what? you know, because I'm not married. <laughs> and my boy, yeah. I don't have a, you know, and my uh, dad wasn't there with me. My mom wasn't in there. It was just right. me. And yeah. I'm like, okay, do we really have to have this conversation? Can we just talk about the money? And I, I, it was like this psychoanalyzing because I was young and I was female and right and nice boobs, I guess. So I mean, <laughs> I constantly was getting. He, he didn't get many clients like that, I'm sure. I did right. Yeah. So there was right. this, you know, like it was just old school, and it, yeah. I didn't feel comfortable. Right. I didn't feel comfortable being there. I didn't feel that they really had my best interest. I really felt like right. it was worse than being sold a car, like going to a used car dealership. But you know, you know, like you walk out, you just know, like, okay, they're looking at me as somebody they're just going to sell something to, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. You want to come with like bodyguards or something to <laughs> get a little nervous. That's, you know, it's, it's all psychology. I kind of felt like that. I felt like I was just sitting duck, you know, yeah. I'm just sitting there with this kind of duck and they're just selling me crap. And I'm not saying that's true. I really have mm-hmm. no idea. I can't really mm-hmm. speak to that. But that was experience. And mm-hmm. so I never really went back to a financial advisor. Yeah, we hear from a lot of 
women and men too is that they're not comfortable with the way that these guys talk to them. And by the way, the industry is still 70% male. And I think the reason for that is because women perceive it as a mathy career. You know, it's not about numbers, people. It's a people business. It's yeah, not a so numbers business. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the numbers part is learnable. That's the easier part. The working with people and coaching and consulting, that's what this is all about. Because every money decision has an emotional impact. And, you know, yes, yes. You know, I love this because when I tweet stuff like this, there's always some smarty pants guy out there who always <laughs> says, well, the math is important. I'm like, yes. 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 But let me explain this to you guys. Here's a little clue in. So here I am. I'm 24 years old at the time. I started working for the top financial advisor in Fort Worth, Texas. And this is my job. That would go in at like four o'clock in the afternoon. He would give me a list of people I need to call cold call. They were American Express card holders. And I would call from four to seven or something like that. Just dial for dollars. Dial, and I'm trying to get them in for an appointment. Okay, number one. Number two, once I confirm the appointment and all that, we get their information. We get like their age and their what, you know, whatever, if they're married or not, or their stats. Okay. And then I would plug all that into a computer and I press mm -hmm. print. Now, mm. I've done all this. And then right. I manage the financial advisor literally as they're walking into the meeting with them. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. like, hi, Mr. So here's your plan. And they have not looked at it. They Whoa. have not. Oh, this happened all day long. Right. So he would just say in meetings all day long. And I'm in the back co-calling, setting the appointment. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one mm -hmm. doing all the I'm doing the I I'm 24. I'm doing the the full plan mm -hmm. and I hand it to mm -hmm. him and he literally goes through it with them for the mm -hmm. first time he's going through it. And so it's says, very personalized, obviously, no, no. and he knows I mean, a lot looks, about their situation. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Yeah. That's the right, whole point. Right. And so it's it sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. So it's not for the numbers <laughs> yeah. at all. He was actually a really good sales guy. You know, the, the first thing we always do, you got to talk to people. You got to find out what's what's important to you. What's your life situation right now? What do you what do you want to do? Do you want to keep the house you're in? Do you want to leave something to your children? And, and you know, and, and interestingly, Heather, a lot of people do want to leave something to their kids. But once you start working with them, you're like, wait a second, we got to take care of you because people are living longer and longer. And it's a it's a wonderful thing to want to leave something to your family. But let's assume you're going to live to 100 and you still want to retire at 65. How are we going to pay for you? And that's sort of a, a big wake up call to a lot of people. You know, do you want that vacation home? Do you want to sell your second home? Do you want to keep the rental properties you have? How much income do you really need? How do we minimize your tax burden in retirement? Or How do that, you and your that, spouse? Is that timeshare a really good idea? <laughs> exactly. No, that's right. Oh, totally. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we have a, a new client, a couple, and they have a timeshare. And it's kind of like I think it is a little bit something that maybe they regret yeah. because yeah. they don't. Yeah. Like there's a monthly fee. There's all these fees. Right. Right. Exactly. No, no, no. And they they would love to get out of it. But I think uh, they, they can't. So they're just yeah. trying to figure out how to use it. So all of the, I mean, there's so many things, so many things. We, we even got a call from somebody one time who wanted to know he's, he needed a new truck and he uh, was a client of ours and he, and he called up and he said, Hey, I, I can finance it at 0% interest. And he had, he had plenty of money. He could write a check. That wasn't the big, that wasn't the deal, but just from a cash flow perspective, right. he, he wanted to know which one made more sense. So we looked at that for him. So 
you know, everybody's situation is different. So if you walk into, again, one of these national companies, and American Express did become Ameriprise. That's who That's they are now. That's it was. Yes, Ameriprise. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So just so everybody knows who we're talking about. So if you do walk into one of these places and they haven't talked to you and spent time with you and they're handing you a plan, run, run. They're handing you That's a not... binder that says your yeah. name on it. I just want to let you know that they just printed that. <laughs> let me let me add something to that. I actually just uh, I'm doing a little video that's going to go on my website about this. It's not there yet, but what a plan is and isn't. And this whole idea of a binder that somebody, you know, drops down on the table in front of you, that one and done thing, that's not a financial plan. Financial planning is this ongoing coaching, consulting. How do we walk with you when you're terrified about the election results? How do we walk with you when you and your spouse need to figure out what you're going to do about your social security? All the issues that we've been rattling off here, that's planning, is having somebody that you can call anytime and say, oh, well, this came up. I decided to retire earlier. My spouse decided to retire this year. My daughter is buying a house. Can I help her? I mean, this is the, you know, these are the real things that happen all the time. And I'm sorry, that leather bound book that somebody cranked out. That's not going to answer those questions for you. No, and you know? they assume stuff. Well, you're this mm -hmm. age, therefore, this is where you're headed. They don't actually right. know the situation. Right. Um, you know, I, that's a lot of stuff. And I agree with that. So I want to wrap it up with, you know, how do people work with you as a fiduciary? Am I saying that right? Fiduciary. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a silly word. <laughs> so sorry. How does the entrepreneurs work with you? Or if they're just getting started... Do they have to come with you with a minimum of 10000 or 100000 or is it like, hey, I got nothing, where can we start? What's the possibilities? Yeah, you know, if somebody has a small amount of money and they're not, well, well let me rephrase that. So say all you have, this is it, all you got in the world is $10,000. In that case, we're probably going to give you, we can give you some free advice about where to invest that very inexpensively and how to yeah. do that. Now, if you have $10,000 that's in cash in the bank, but yet you have a larger amount maybe that you saved in your 401k prior to becoming an entrepreneur, say that kind of thing, or if your spouse, and, and a, lot, a lot of this really is couples financial planning, to be really honest. A lot of it is much more, I mean, we have a lot of single clients, single, divorced, but if you're a married couple, this needs to be, you need to plan together. None of this business of like one spouse, uh, you know, who makes the decision. And I think, Heather, this is the old school stuff you were talking about when the man made the financial decisions. Let me tell you something. That doesn't work. It, it doesn't does not work. work. No, it has to be. There, there's often one person in the couple who's maybe in the driver's seat. And that could either be the, the husband or the wife or, you know, we work with a lot of same sex couples. And, and same thing there is that there's often one person who's kind of driving this and saying, okay, we need to do some financial planning here. That's fine. That's okay. But you need to drag your spouse along with you <laughs> to these <laughs> meetings. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you can't let him or her just say, oh, honey, you handle it. No. Do you, do you handle uh, prenups? Do y'all handle that? Or do y'all work with those a lot? Or do y'all suggest those? That's a yeah, thing, I guess. yeah, you know, that's part of the estate planning. Yeah. And we work with people on estate planning issues. So I can't say that that's ever specifically come up for us. But if it did, then we would we would look at that from an estate planning perspective. It's absolutely a valid question. Yeah. Yes. It happens. I mean, nowadays it happens. I just got engaged. So that's why I have oh. it in my head. 
Wonderful. <laughs> That's great. So I'm just kidding. I don't know if he's listening or not. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, sorry, honey. Um, right. Yeah. Lately, he went, he went to, he had some surgery a couple of months mm-hmm. ago and he had to go under, you know, for the surgery. Yeah. And so it was, it was in and out. It was, you know, he was out by a couple hours, but mm-hmm. as he's going in at five in the morning or whatever, dropping him off at the surgical center, he's like, okay, so if something happens to me, my, my will is in this back pocket or something. And I'm like, well, first of all, the fact that you have a will on what piece of paper is a problem. Number right. One. Number two, you know, I'm going to look, right? <laughs> <laughs> do I got anything? Do I get anything? Do I get the dog? Like, what, right. what do I get? Right. Of course, he came out and goes, did you look? I'm like, no. Of course not, honey. <laughs> let, let me, I want to say something. You, you brought up something, and I'm just going to toss out another piece of advice here, actually. This okay. is a good one. And particularly if you're getting married, this is very important for you guys. People, a lot of times on their accounts, like their 401k or their IRA, they don't update their beneficiaries, okay? So say like you're getting married and you have your 401k and, you know, you put your mom as your beneficiary. That is going to supersede your spouse. People think it doesn't, but it will. So if you get married, go in there and update your beneficiaries on your accounts to be sure that, you know, whomever you want to receive the money should something happen to you. Just a little tip there. No, that's good. That's actually no, that's that's actually really good. Um, I think I have a some things I have my mom as the mm-hmm. beneficiary, and I had to actually update it because she just passed away recently. So I, yeah, I need to right. really probably uh, update that. And um, it it is a kind of an interesting conversation to have someone you're like, like by the way, my wills in my back the back pocket there. I'm like, what? yeah, you'll be fine, you know. But back <laughs> in my head, I'm like, so what do I get? What's <laughs> Right, 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 right. But and again, this is, you know, for couples there. And and again, I realized this was like before you guys were engaged and so forth. But, you know, if you are engaged, if you are married, everybody has to be on the same page. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. You know, he's not a spring chicken. You know, he's 48 and I'm 41. So it's not like we're 22 with nothing. Right. right? So we have to understand that. So thank you so much. I want to kind of leave it as where can people find you or where do you want them to go and how can they get to listen to your podcast as well? Yeah. So we are, we, myself and my uh, co-host Kelly Chisholm, she and I are launching America Talks Money. Our slated launch date as we're speaking here is going to be November 1st. So americatalksmoney.com, that will be on there. And also as you said, Better Money Decisions is the site for the registered investment advisor firm. So you can reach me at either one of those. And do people have to be in those areas, Albuquerque or Santa Fe, or can they work with you remote? Oh, absolutely remote. We have clients all over the country. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I, I kind of like that better than having to have someone in your backyard. Right. Thank you so much, Kate, for being here. You're listening to Heather Havenwood on Renegade Nation, iTunes, and Stitcher. Go check out our other shows with Richie and Sammy and Nia Nicole and Everly. And this is, again, Heather Havenwood on Renegade Nation. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters.
Number is good only in North America. For outside the USA, text SEXY to plus one three two three four five seven double two double eight. Text SEXY to plus one three two three four five seven double two double eight. Long distance charges may apply. Heather wants to hear from you. Questions you want answered on the show. Comments, interview requests. Email media at sexywellsync.com or leave a private voicemail. 51 Boss is me. Again, the number is 512-677-4763. Check out all of Heather's sites. Heatherhavenwood.com. Sexybossinc.com. E2Lab.com. DatingTriggers.com. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.